Again, what we're going to talk about today is generosity. What happens when you give? What an incredible miracle, a miracle we can all learn from, especially when we ask ourselves the question, what truly happens when we give? This leads us to our first point today. When we give, we honor God. When we give, we honor God. Everything is his. By giving up his lunch of five loaves and two fish, the boy honored Jesus. We discussed in Deuteronomy 8.18 last week, but it applies here again. Let us read it. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which he swore by your forefathers as it is today. Throughout the Bible, we are encouraged, even commanded to give first to God's work through the local church. In fact, the word first fruits is mentioned in the Bible a lot, 31 times in the NIV 1984 version, 30 times in the King James version, and 33 times in the English Standard Version. Guess how many times the word last fruits is mentioned? Zero times in all versions. Why would God ask us to bring or return the first fruits back to his church? Because he knows that our hearts are connected to our treasure. Yeah, yeah, y'all don't hear me. Y'all don't hear me. Let me read Matthew for you. Matthew 6, 19 through 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, 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 you understand, when, when, when we spend money on our children, we spend a lot of money on our children because we love them. Some of us have bought instruments they played for one week. Pom-poms, girl used one game, got mad at somebody, ain't been back. But we continue to invest in them because that's where our heart is. And God knows when you give to him, you've given, you, he has your heart. When we, when we invest in stock, in a certain stock market, or a certain business, our heart is there because we put our money there. But can I tell you something? You won't get a return from Google as, as, as consistently and persistently as you get from God. When you invest in the kingdom, he will give it back to you, Press down, shaking together, and running over. I promise you this, God, you cannot outgive God. Oh, see, he says, see, there, there's no better thing for your heart to be connected to because it's always a return. It's always a return. By giving his lunch of five loaves and two fish, the boy honored Jesus and is connected, and it connected the boy to the miracle Jesus performed. See, the biblical standard of first of 10% um, of, of, of income of God's work, tied defined by the Webster Dictionary, is this. The tenth part of agricultural produce or personal income set apart as an offering to God. For those who have never experienced the joy of giving or struggling financially, the idea of giving 10% can seem formidable. That doesn't make any sense. After all, there are many places you could be going. You could be going to Miami. You could be going to Puerto Rico, right? 
You can, you, you can be going wherever you want to go. You can buy those shoes. But can I tell you something? I understand it doesn't make sense. And you wonder why, how in the world, if I'm struggling on 100% of my money, will I not struggle with 90% of my money? Because when you give to God, he multiplies it. Does it make any sense that he fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread? It makes absolutely no sense at all. But he's a multiplier. He said, I'll give it back to you, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. We say it all the time. We say it here all the time. I'm going to give you a good measure of blessing. Pressed down, shaking together, and running over. But do you believe it? See, the problem is we try to understand it. I got so tired, I was sitting down trying to figure out that little thing when he say, hey, if you put $20 down and I put $20 down, I'm going to buy your debt for 30 and we both made $10. I don't get it. I tried, but I got to the point, I said, I ain't trying to figure it out. I don't understand it. How in the world he put down 20, you put down 20, he buy the 40 for 30, and now y'all both made $10. I don't get it. Mathematically, I could not figure it out. I was racking my brain, and I just stopped, because after a while, I just didn't care, because I ain't had nobody to play the game with no way, so I ain't care. Right? But the thing about it is, why, when we get tired of trying to figure out stuff, even if we're taking a test, we'll skip it. Between an A and a B, a B and a C, we're, man, I'm, I'm tired. Have you ever just been taking a test and just got tired? I don't want to do it no more. He said, man, forget it. I'm going to just take this L today. We're going to take this L, and we're going to try to get our ass back up, get some extra credit or something. Right? But, but why do you try to figure out the principles of God? I don't care how it works. I just know it works. I don't know how I turn a key and my car gets all these signals through the carburetor, through all that. I don't care how it works, but I know I don't want it to break down. As long as I turn the key and my car cranks up, I don't care. So when you start testing God and tithing, who cares how it works as long as I'm walking around with my overflowing blessing? I don't care. I'm not trying to figure it out. I don't know how I can take 90% of my money and, and have more than if I kept the whole 100%. It does not have to make sense as long as it works. Right? Truth be told, you don't know your car work either. You don't know how the plane works, but you get on it. How in the way that big old plane go in the sky? You don't know, but you get on it anyway. So crazy self. How that heavy thing stay up there? But you get on it, not fully understanding it, but you need to get from here to California. You don't want to drive. Right? So you get on a plane you know nothing about, don't know who the pilot is. Don't know if they've been sipping on some syrup or not. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You don't know. But you get on it. So can I tell you this? Who cares how it works? If you want to be blessed, just get on the giving train. Just get on it. 
because I can tell you that I am blessed and I will never ever be broke again because I put God first. You know how they say never say never, never, I never will be broke because the Bible said I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. And I'm going to tell you right now, every time I get my seed, I plant it in the kingdom and God multiplies it. Can I tell you something right now? I don't know. Oh, come on, somebody. <laughs> I know how many seeds in an apple, but I don't know how many apples are in a seed. If I open up the apple, I can count the seeds in it. But if I plant the seed, I don't know how many apples it will produce. So you need to understand that when you plant a seed in the kingdom of God, Boy, you better watch out. I'm going to talk to some folk. You ain't going to be broke no more. Mm -mm. Lord, have mercy. Parents, it blesses you when you start seeing your children share because it's stuff you bought anyway because you're so proud that they become givers. And even though it's God who gave it to you, you gave it to them. And at the end of the day, if they learn how to give now, they learn how to give even more later. When we give, we honor God, which leads us to my next point. When we give, we bless others. There are people in great need, and, and, and we are called to help them. <sighs> Can I tell you something? Jesus said, when I was hungry, you fed me. Huh? When I was naked, you clothed me. And, and they said, when do we do this, Lord? When you do it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying? Y'all don't hear what I'm saying? When y'all give, when you plant your seeds, oh, y'all don't hear me. When you plant your seeds here, you're giving and you're helping other people. Look at, look at me, let me, let me, let me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Jesus modeled this. He saw everyone was hungry and was compelled to feed them. Because the boy gave his bread and fish, it allowed 5,000 people to eat. 5,000 people to eat and witness a miracle. He blessed others. We see generosity that bless others in this story and throughout the Bible. Let's look at Acts chapter 4, 34 and 35. It talks about the generosity of the church. Look, there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Generosity blessed others. Let's take a moment to dwell on this. I want to take the next few seconds for you to think about a gift that you've been given, right? I know it's a little weird, but I really want you to think about a gift someone has given to you. It may have been when you were a child, right? It might, it might have been last week. Do you have a gift in mind? Okay, good. All right. Great. Well, let me ask you this question. When you received the gift, how did you feel? All right. Did it bless you? Wow. So look, 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 look. Can I tell you something that blessed me? And I know I'm blessed because I help other folk too. I, I, I had to buy, I was buying my first house, right? I was buying my first house and I had enough money for the down payment, but then God told me to go to seminary, and I didn't have my financial aid filled out, so I had to pay for it, and ITC ain't cheap. And I was like, what? You want me to do what? 
It was only one class, but that one class was like $1,500. And $1,500 back then was a lot of money. It's still a lot of money now. But it was more money back then, you know what I'm saying? $1,500, Lord, you crazy, but okay. And so I didn't have enough money for my down payment. But this lady heard me talking to the clothing attorney on the phone in, in, the, in the library, because back then I don't think I had a cell phone. You know what I'm saying? And, and I was on the phone, and she heard me, and she said, you know what? I'm going to let you borrow this money. You pay me back when you can. And I know she was being nice, but one reason she gave it to me, because we was at a hood school, and she had $1,500, but her son didn't come get it like she was supposed to. She's like, it's safer for me to let you borrow it. <laughs> They'll leave it in a drawer in here. <laughs> You understand? We was in the hood, you know what I'm saying? That's why I don't be scared of y'all writing letters on me. Y'all write letters? Y'all would get death threats. Y'all talking about letters. Ooh, your letter. Ooh, Jesus, I don't know what to do. But, <laughs> but seriously, so, so then all of a sudden, the lady gave me the money, and then some lady called me. I hadn't talked to her. I don't know when. And you know how some folk call you, and you don't want to answer because you know they want something. Right? But... Flesh and blood did not reveal this unto me, but my father which was in heaven said, answer the phone. Answer the phone, and they said, you blessed me so many different times, I just want to sing some money. And they sent me the money, come on somebody, that, that, that helped me pay the other lady back and had never given me anything before. Come on somebody, it blessed me. But you know why God blessed me? I put his kingdom first too. See, when you begin to do what God wants you to do and take your money and put it where God say put it, God will give you a good measure of blessing, press down, shake it together and run it over. I, if I would not have done what I was supposed to do, I don't know if I would have got a house or not, but because I sacrificed what I thought I wasn't going to get, God let me go to seminary to fulfill his vision and also gave me the house that I wanted. Y'all missing it. You missing it. When you give God, can I talk to you? God says sometimes God may even tell you to give money to people you don't like. Woo! Have God ever asked you to give money to somebody you didn't like and the holiness in you just push pause? Well, let me talk to your petty side. Because if your holy side won't do it, I can cater to your petty side because I'm petty too. So the Bible says too, when you bless your enemy, it's like pouring hot coals on their head. So even if the holy side of you doesn't want you to be obedient, let your petty side kick in until you get holy enough to be able to do it in good cheer. But when God tells you to give it to somebody, do what it is with his money that he tells you, and he will bless you tremendously. Why? Because it's his money anyway. And when you do with his money what he tells you to, he'll give you more money. Oh, come on, somebody. If you favor with $10 and give him one, he'll give you 1000 If you favor with 1000 and give him 100 he'll give you 100000 If you favor with, oh, come on, somebody. If you favor with 100000 and give him his 10 he'll give you a million. You got to learn how to trust God and understand he'll bless you. Good measure. Not a little bitty measure. I told you I don't want no ice cream cone when you ain't pressed it down. Better press that ice cream in my cone. I paid for two scoops, but I need that one. Something better go down in the bottom. I want my good measure blessing. I don't know. 
I mean, ice cream cone naked at the bottom. Y'all better go on somewhere. <laughs> see, but see, but see, and, and because I had given, God opened up windows. And see, that's what happens when you give the new beach. That's what happens when you give the ministries that are doing something because you, you are getting, see, I don't understand. Look, remember when the lady had the oil? And, and, and the prophet said, go gather pots, go get all the pots you can. Well, the oil never ran out, but it stopped flowing when the vessels ran out. The oil never ran out. It just stopped flowing when the vessels stopped. When you give the new beast grove, come on, somebody, you're taking care of children who may not be able to go home with a parent at home right then, so you put a parent in a position where they don't have to choose, do I go to work and make money, or do I keep my child and, and keep them safe? And so now you, you made it where all they had to do is pay $25 for the whole school year to stay at the school because of your giving. Oh, y'all don't hear me. So God flows blessings to you because you have a lot of vessels you're giving into. You saw we just went to Kentucky, to Hopkinsville, where people weren't even being served by FEMA and first aid, but first the Red Cross. Why? Because you gave, we were able to send three trucks, 145,000 pounds of food and supplies and clothing to them because of your gifts. So now God has to give you a good measure of blessing, press down, shake it together, and run it over because that's what he said he would do. You take care of the homeless. Jesus said when I didn't have a house, you, 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 you sheltered me. What? You, you took care of Link. You took care of poor. You helped homeless folk. Why? Because when you pour into this, you're pouring into all the vessels we pour into. You built churches in Africa. Remember that church called and said, hey, and I wonder how he always called long distance. So. But he called and he was like, hey, we had an, an, a lion attack the child and we had to kill the lion in church so we could continue worship. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> Time out. Mufasa came. <laughs> Ooh. Mufasa and Simba came in the house. You killed a lion and started having church? We got to build you a church because the lights go off. I'm like, hey, Brother Gerald, how we going to get the sound? Hey, Daniel, how we going to stream? Hey, Jesse, are we going to record? What are we going to do? These joints got attacked by a lion. But now they're safe because of your tithe and offering. You built them a church. And you also built them a school. You did it because you give. And so when you get to the gates of heaven, if they won't let you in, just say you tired. <laughs> Come on now. I know I say. <laughs> over 2,000 people have been saved over the years since I've been here because of you. Because I don't care. The lights may go off every now and then, but if they're off every week, you ain't coming. We can't save soul with no lights every week. Now, every now and then, the lights, when I say lights go off, it ain't called when you paid it. Because, you know, they'll hit that, they need to wrap that pole up with something because people will hit that pole and knock the light for the whole streets out. Like, man, what's up? What is up with that pole? 
But I challenge you to bless people because when you bless people, it should make you feel good. But can I tell you something? But see, when you give, which is point three, we be blessed. We are blessed. You can put, I am blessed if you just want to feel like you. But when you give, God gives back to you. He gives you favor. God's word is clear. When we give to his work, we will experience a blessing. Do you think that boy ever doubted giving to God after he saw a whole multitude fed with 5,000, 5,000 people fed with two fish and five loaves of bread? It should be a miracle to you because it ain't like we bringing in millions and millions every Sunday, but you allowing 30, 40, 50 kids to be over there, eat, get served, lights be paid. All thing they got to do is pay $25 for the whole year because God multiplies your blessing. He will make it go further than it would go if you were not tithing. God does miracles all the time. You just got to pay attention, especially when you are tithing. Said, look at Malachi 3, 3, 10a. We said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. We, we talked about that. We said God said, test him, right? By giving his first fruit, by giving us his first fruit. But let's read the rest of Malachi 3, 10, the, the last part of 10 and up to 12. And see... If I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Test him. <laughs> He said, test him. God didn't say, throw yourself off a building to test him. He didn't say, go slap the rock to test him. He didn't say, do anything, anything. He, but he said, test me with your money. Isn't it funny how testimony sounds a lot like test of money? It's testimony, test of money. Because God knows that it's tied to your heart. Right? So he said, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven. Can I tell you something? I don't even know if it's gates or windows in heaven. He's just letting you know it's going to spring up from somewhere. See, the problem with some church folk is when we plant seeds right here, we think it's supposed to grow right here. You may never get a seed from right here ever, but because you plant a seed in the kingdom right here, it'll grow somewhere else. It'll grow in your house. It'll grow in your enemy given to you. It'll grow in a promotion. God will let the seed grow. It, won't, it may not grow right here though. I told you last week, if you plant an apple seed right here, you're going to get an apple seed right here. Right? You're not going to get it down the street. But when you plant in the kingdom, you don't know where it's going to come up. And the good thing about the kingdom, it may not be an apple. It may be an orange. If you plant an apple, you might get oranges. You, you, you might get a, a promotion at your job. You might get a healing. I don't know what this seed is going to produce, but it's going to produce something because God said, my word shall, I, I, your heaven and earth shall pass away. Maxwell may pass away. The church will pass away. But at the end of the day, my word will never return unto me void. 
And God said, test him in this. Test him with your money. I tested him. Because I said, Lord, if you don't pass the test, I ain't giving no more. They ain't going to play it. That's what I said. You said test you. Let me test you. And I've been doing that ever since I was in my 20s. And I'm just 29 now. <laughs> they know it. Let me stop lying. <laughs> but seriously, he, he, he will bless you. I'm not saying it just because I'm a pastor. I'm saying it because I know it works. I, I, I have money in stock. I have money in real estate. I have money in 401Ks uh, and all that. I have money invested in different things, but I always make sure I invest in the kingdom because when I invest in the kingdom, that's always going to bring me a hundredfold back because I cannot outgive God. When God said, bring him his first fruit, I give it to him. When he said, take $10,000 and give it over here, that's what I do because I do what God tells me to do because it's not mine anyway. Boy, he ain't never, I bet you that little boy ain't never doubted God. Never said. See, some people are tell you, you crazy to get to that church. You crazy to give your money to church. They ain't doing that. Just trying to get a preacher a car. Just trying to do this. Just trying to do that. I make money outside of the church too. Come and say, I had money before I came here. In fact, I didn't want to come here because I felt like I was losing money coming here, which I did, but God gave it back because I gave up my real estate. I gave up my business. I gave up what I was doing at home, and then once I gave it up, he gave it back to me, pressed down, shaking together, and running over. So if anybody ever tell you, oh, your pastor wants the money, tell them your pastor left money to come here. You tell them if they want to be blessed, they need to follow the principle that you're following because it doesn't have to make sense. It just, I know I get my blessings back. You know what I'm saying? Tell them E equals MC squared. They don't know how it works either, but we know. They got the atom bomb and all that stuff, but I know. I don't even remember what the E stand for, nor the M or the C or the squared. I don't know. But I know it blew something up. <laughs> he's, he's, see, see, when you tithe, you have confidence. There's a pastor that one of the bishops introduced me to, and they shared a testimony. And he talked about how his son had drowned, and, 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 and they found him in the water, and the paramedics were trying to revive him. And they pronounced him dead, put him in the back of the ambulance, and he said, God, I'm a tither. I'm a tither. God, I'm a tither. My son shall live and not die. He went and he told them to start resuscitating him. They did it just to, just to entertain him So he, since he was going so crazy, but they never really wanted to do it, and they gave him more CPR, and the boy came back. Why? Because he knew his covenant relationship with God. He said, you promised my child would not die early. You promised me that he would have a long life. I'm a tither. It's your job to take care of me and rebuke the pestilence. You know why I don't worry about my enemies? Because I tithe. I double dare my enemies to walk up on me. I ain't never going to lose. Never. Be 
telling them all the time, you don't want to mess with me. I ain't got to fight you. I got God. I don't have to worry about your trap. God said he'll take care of the devourer for me. <laughs> Boy, what? <laughs> you don't want to end. And that's how you have to be because when you're covered, you're covered by the blood of Jesus and then you're paying your tithe, there ain't nothing that the devil can do to you. I have a covenant relationship with God. I gave him my life and I give him my substance when he asks for it because it's his anyway. Can I talk to some old school parents? You know how your children, you just say, why are you in my room? You ain't got no room. It's my room. I pay for this house. I let you borrow this room. All these my, all these rooms, my room. It'd be fun when I go to people's house and then the, the child got a lit up that might stay out my room. <laughs> hey, I ain't using that when I be doing real estate. I'd be like, Lord, have mercy, times have changed, Jesus. My mama can't even see. She would have took that out the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Right here. <laughs> he would have just felt that fool and did what in the world? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I got. <laughs> Sorry, Mama, I know you watch 11 o'clock. <laughs> she don't watch 8 o'clock. But you know it's true. Don't get mad, it's true. Tell the truth, saying to them. <laughs> oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, let me tell y'all this story so we can get y'all out of here, man. <laughs> this, this, this story is shared by uh, Edie Ogan, right? It, it's called The Rich Family in the Church. It says, <clears throat> I'll never forget. Easter 1946. I was 14. My little sister, O.C., was 12, and my older sister, Darlene, 16. We lived at home with our mother, and the four of us knew what it was to do without many things. My dad had died five years before, leaving mom with seven school kids to raise and no money. By 1946, my older sisters were married and my brothers had left home. A month before Easter, the pastor of our church announced that a special Easter offering would be taken to help a poor family. He asked everyone to save and give sacrificially. When we got home, we talked about what we could do. We decided to buy 50 pounds of potatoes and live on them for a month. This would allow us to save $20 of our grocery money for the offering. Then we thought, what if we kept our electric lights turned out as much as possible and didn't listen to the radio? We saved money on that month's electric bill. Darlene got as many house and yard cleaning jobs as possible, and both of us babysat for everyone we could. For 15 cents, we could buy enough cotton loops to make three pot holders to sell for a dollar. 
We made $20 on potholders. That month was one of the best of our lives. Every day we counted the money to see how much we had saved. At night, we'd sit in the dark and talk about how the poor family was going to enjoy having the money the church would give them. We had about 80 people in the church, so we figured that whatever amount of money we had to give, the offering would surely be 20 times that much. After all, every Sunday, the pastor had reminded everyone to save for the sacrificial offering. The day before Easter, O.C. and I walked to the grocery store and got to the it got the manager to give us three crisp $20 bills and a $10 bills for our change. We ran all the way home to show mom and Darlene we had, ev we had never saw so much money before. That night, we were so excited, we could hardly sleep. We didn't care that we wouldn't have new clothes for Easter. We had $70 of sacrificial offering. We could hardly wait to get to church. On Sunday morning, rain was pouring. We didn't own an umbrella, and the church was over a mile from home, but it didn't seem to matter how wet we got. Darlene had cardboard in her shoes to, uh, uh, to fill the holes. The cardboard came apart, and her feet got wet. But we sat in church proudly. I heard some teenagers talking about, look at the Smith girls having on their old dresses. I looked at them in their new clothes, and I still felt rich. When the, when the sacrificial offering was taken, we were sitting on the second row from the front. Mom put in the $10 bill, and each of us kids put in the $20 bills. As we walked home at the church, we sang all the way home. At lunch, Mom had a surprise for us. She had bought a dozen eggs, and we had boiled Easter eggs with our fried potatoes. Late that afternoon, the minister drove up in his car. Mom went to the door, talked with him for a moment. And then he came back with an envelope in her hand. She came back with an envelope in her hand. We asked what it was. But she didn't say a word. She opened the envelope and fell out a bunch of money. There were three crisp $20 bills, a $10 bill, and 17 $1 bills. Mom put the money back in the envelope. We didn't talk. Just sat there and stared at the floor. We had gone from feeling like millionaires to feeling like poor white trash. We kids had such a happy life that we felt sorry for anyone who didn't have our mom and dad for parents in a house full of brothers and sisters and other kids visiting constantly. We thought it was fun to share silverware and see whether we got the spoon or the fork that night. We had two knives and passed around to whoever needed them. I knew we didn't have a lot of things that other people, but I didn't know we were poor. That Easter day, I found out that we were. The minister had brought us the money for the poor family, so we must be poor. I didn't like being poor. I looked at my dress and worn out shoes and felt so ashamed. I didn't even want to go back to church. Everyone there probably already knew we were poor. I thought about school. I was in the ninth grade at the top of my class of over 100 students. I wondered if the kids at school knew we were poor. I decided that I had to quit school. I had finished the eighth grade. That was the law required at that time. We sat in silence for a long time. Then it got dark, and we went to bed. All that week, we girls went to school and came home, and no one talked much. Finally, on Saturday, Mom asked us what we wanted to do with the money. What did poor people do with money? We didn't know. We'd never known we were poor. We didn't want to go to church on Sunday, but Mom said, whatever, you're going. Although it was a sunny day, we didn't talk on the way. <clears throat> Mom started to sing, but no one joined in to sing one verse. At church, 
we had a missionary speaker. <clears throat> he started talking about how churches in Africa made buildings out of sun-dried bricks, but they needed uh, money to buy roofs, buy, buy the roofs. He said $100 would put a roof on the church. The minister said, can't we have a sacrifice to help these people? We looked at each other and smiled for the first time all that week. Mom reached into her purse and pulled out the envelope. She passed it to Darlene. Darlene gave it to me, and I handed it to O.C., and O.C. put it in the offering. When the offering was counted, the minister announced that it was a little over $100. The missionary was excited. He hadn't expected so much money for such a large offering from a small church. He said, you must have some rich people in this church. Suddenly it struck us. We had given $87 of the little over $100. We were the rich family in the church. Hadn't the missionary just said so? From that day on, I've never been poor again. I've always remembered how rich I am because I have Jesus. See, when you are generous, God will eventually bless you. See, see, see some people get it. They understand that in order to be rich, you have to serve. Remember, Jesus said the greatest among you must do what? Must serve. When we give, we honor God, we bless others, and we ourselves are blessed. Most of us already understand that if we put God, we're supposed to put God first in every area of our life, including our money. But the fact is, most of us don't. Only 3 to 5% of people that give their life to Christ actually bring the full tithe back to the church. Only 3%. Though, <laughs> it's tough to hear that, ain't it? But I don't know about you, but I want to be found guilty of being generous. See, let me ask you a question. If someone were to conduct an audit on your bank account, with your, the, the way you manage your money, would you be found guilty of being generous? Would they find you guilty of putting God first? For some here today, the answer is absolutely yes. Praise God. You know exactly what you're doing. You understand exactly what I'm saying. For others here today, the answer is absolutely no. If that's you, I challenge you today to, make, to switch that to a yes. Put God first by giving to the church. And if you're listening and you're not a member here, give to the church you go to. Test God. There's tremendous work that needs to be done in the kingdom. Test him and watch him bless you. Test him and watch him bless you. He said, test him in this, try him. For these 90 days, try him. Try him and, and bring your full time to the storehouse and watch him bless you. I promise you he will. This morning, <laughs> this morning when I said, I can say it with my chest now because Miss Spells ain't here, but she texted me and said, I'm still watching. <laughs> but she's in here, I'm going to still say it. <laughs> This what this what's going on. We told if you don't have a testimony by the end of the 90 days that you bringing your tithe to the storehouse, we're gonna give you your tithe back. We're giving it back to you because that means that God's word is not true. But I already know you're gonna have a testimony. I've already had people send me testimonies already. 
People have sent me testimonies about being promoted just that quick. You know why? When Daniel prayed, even though he prayed for 21 days, the angel was dispatched the moment he set his mind to pray. But the, 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 the angel said, I was caught up by the prince of Persia in the second heaven, and Gabriel had to help get me out, but I was already dispatched the minute you put your mind to it. So the minute you put your mind to say, I'm going to tithe and give God what it is he owes, what I owe him, I'm going to give him what it is he asked for me. The minute you put your mind to it, God is going to bless you immediately. He's going to open up the windows of heaven. You're going to get that promotion. You're going to get that healing. Your child going to get out of jail. You're going to start being blessed in the valley and blessed in the field, blessed in your coming and blessed in your going. He's going to bless you. Why? Because the minute you set your mind to it. He's going to bless you. Open up the windows of heaven. It won't be the messed up ice cream cone. It'll be a good measure. Press down. Shake it together. And run it over. A good measure. A great measure. You'll be the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath the lender and not the borrower. You shall be blessed and highly favored. Blessed and highly favored. Blessed and highly favored. You're going to get your overflow. You're going to get your blessings. Why? Because his word says so. Test him. Test him. Test him. Test him. Test him. Test him. I double dog dagger to test him. Test him. Do what he says do. Do what he says do. Do with your money what he says do. Because it's his anyhow. It's his anyhow. It's his money. Pass the test. So you can get your overflow. Unlock your blessings. Unlock your blessings. Stop sandbagging your blessings. But I already told you about space. Stop. Stop. Stop sandbagging. Just like when you bid an eight and you and you and you you bid a five and you made eight, you didn't waste 30 points. You only got three little points. When you could have had 80, you only got 53. You're not cursed with a curse. But you're not blessed with the blessing. You're not cursed with a curse. So whatever you feel like you blessed right now, you bring in 5% and not 10, or 3% and not 10, or 9% and not 10, you leaving blessings on the table. This is not for the church. It sounds like a message for the church, but this is a message for you. Because the church, even on a 3% tithing, is still doing okay. But you're not doing as good as you should be doing. I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed. So like I said last week, I want you to be blessed so you won't have to be calling me, asking me to borrow money. Can you cash out me, pass? <laughs> no, next time somebody asks me, I'm going to say, are you tithing? Because if you were tithing, you probably wouldn't need me at all right now. That's what I'm going to say. Are you tithing?
God fed the multitude with two fish, five loaves of bread. Two fish and five loaves of bread, and they had leftovers. And they ate all they wanted. You catch that in the text. They ate everything. They ate all they wanted. Let, let y'all come in here with the amount of, ain't even 5,000 folks in here. There ain't 500 in here. And I came in with two fish and five loaves of bread. <laughs> Pastor that lost his <laughs> rabbit mind. It's COVID too, and he talking about we going to eat two fish with all these Negroes and Negroettes and cats, cat, and Caucasian, Caucasians and you, 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 you. But God did it with two fish, five loaves of bread. He fed 5,000 people. So when you bring your full tithe to the storehouse, he can take care of the whole community. Because right now he take care of the whole community with churches and only 3% of the church folk tithing. 3%. Now we give. Might be 50% give. But only 3% tithe. And God still is doing it. God still getting work done. God still pays the bills. God still pays the employees. God still sends stuff to Haiti. God still builds churches in Africa with only 3% tithers. How much more will he be able to do with everybody tithe? But, but then, but how much more will you be blessed when you tithe? Huh? How much overflow would you have if you tithe? I know you think that if you're struggling with 100% of your money, what in the world am I going to do with 90%? Because when you're doing the 90%, when you're giving God his 10%, you're giving him your two fish and five loaves of bread. And he's going to give it back to you in good measure. I'm going to say it one more time for the road. Give you a good measure blessing. Press down, shaking together, and run it over. Test him. Malachi said, test him. Test him. Test God. You know, I'm bringing my 10%, God. Do it consistently and watch him move. Uh-oh, I got to say something else. I need you to understand, oh no, I'm done. I, I need you to accept this 90-day tithing challenge if you haven't been a tither. And if you are a tither, if you want to give above or something, do that. But definitely consistently tithe. But when I tithe, but I also give God an offering. I tithe and also give God whatever he tells me to do. Hallelujah, Jesus. God is ready to bless you. But are you ready to be obedient to him to get the blessing? Tithing is important. But the most important thing that you will ever do in your life, even above marrying your boo, even above taking a job that's your great career, is giving your life to Jesus Christ. 